Hello and welcome to Max Politics. This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette, a publication of Citizens Union Foundation. Thanks very much for tuning in here for this episode of the show. We're speaking here on Friday, September 16th, 2022. Today, we're discussing the challenges and opportunities facing New York City as thousands of asylum seekers have arrived and continue to arrive in the city. Many of them bust here by Texas's Republican Governor Greg Abbott, who is he says, protesting Democratic President Joe Biden's southern border policies and also testing Democratic Mayor Eric Adams's policies of welcoming migrants and those seeking asylum. My guest in just a moment is Murad Awada, the executive director of the New York Immigration Coalition, who will detail what is happening, how migrants are being served by the city, nonprofits and others, and a number of pieces of this challenging puzzle. For a little bit of background, on July 19th, New York City Mayor Eric Adams called for federal resources to assist with arriving asylum seekers in New York City after, over the course of a few weeks, he said that New York had experienced a sharp increase in asylum seekers from Latin America and other regions, with what he said at the time nearing 3,000 individuals entering New York City's shelter system. He said at the time that New York City was working with the federal government to make sure that the city could provide support and resources, but also ask for more from the federal government. That, in turn, led to a lot more scrutiny of what was going on. And as uh, the weeks continued and, and more people arrived in the city, Eventually, the mayor was saying that uh, many migrants were being bused from southern border states. And on August 5th, Texas Governor Greg Abbott announced formally the arrival of what he said was the first group of migrants bused to New York City from Texas, saying they were dropped off at the Port Authority bus terminal in Manhattan, where they were greeted uh, by a number of uh, officials and others. But these buses have been arriving typically with no or very little advanced noticed. Uh, the Texas governor at the time was saying that he was taking action to keep his communities uh, safe. And he said that New York City was the, what he said, ideal destination for these migrants because they can receive what he called the abundance of city resources and housing that Mayor Eric Adams has boasted about within the sanctuary city and said he hoped that the mayor followed through on his promise of welcoming all migrants with open arms which Mayor Eric Adams has pretty much done. On August 19th, the mayor, the Department of Education Chancellor in the city, David Banks, the Mayor's Office of Immigrant Affairs Commissioner, Manuel Castro, uh, the Social Services Commissioner, Gary Jenkins, and others announced what they called Project Open Arms, a plan to support families seeking asylum and ensure that the children arriving were provided with a full range of service, including being ready to enter the school system at the start of school in September. At the time, they estimated that there would be at least 1,000 children entering the school system. That number has likely increased since as school has just started in the last week for most New York City public school students. On August 26th, the New York Immigration Coalition, led by my guest today, Murata Wauda, and other allies and immigrant New Yorkers rallied on the steps of City Hall to call for more federal, state, and city government action to step up efforts to provide asylum seekers being bused to New York City with the necessary services and supports they needed to be sure that they could be healthy, safe, and 
have a chance to thrive in New York City. This week, the day before we're speaking here, we're talking on Friday, September 16th. On Thursday, September 15th, Mayor Adams and some of his commissioners announced the opening of the city's first Asylum Seeker Resource Navigation Center in Manhattan. It's being operated by Catholic Charities through a New York City contract, and it's supporting individuals and families arriving in New York City since the start of the year. The center will serve as a central place where newly arrived asylum seekers can receive free and confidential help and access a variety of services and resources. The city now estimates, and we've been trying to check on these numbers and get a little more information about how they've gotten there, but I I haven't received more information back on this, but the city now estimates that more than 11,600 asylum seekers have gone through the intake process in the last few months, and that more than 8,500 of those asylum seekers, mostly families with children, they say, are currently in the city's shelter system, which we know uh, has been a stress shelter system for many, many years. And Mayor Adams has said is at its breaking point as the city has been contracting with hotel operators to provide housing. And there's been a lot of challenges there while the city continues to call on the federal government for more help. All right, that's a brief overview of some of the, the big pieces of the timeline here. There's a lot more to it. Joining me now is Murad Awada, the executive director of the New York Immigration Coalition. Murad, thanks for joining me. I'm sure this has been um, quite a very tense and and challenging last uh, few months here. How are you doing today? Hey, Matt, Ben, thanks for having me on the show today. So big picture here, where where are we at? Um, the the mayor and his team announced the opening of this resource center. Um, there's been a lot of calls for more federal action and aid, both at the southern border and in New York City. Um, from your perspective, sort of where do we stand here on Friday, September 16th with this um, this challenging picture? So we stand in a place where we have uh, a lot more work to do. We have our, you know, just to give the credit where it's due, New York City did step up and respond in the way that New York City is known to respond in a way that welcomes people in a dignified and respectful way. Right. Um, And we're we've done things to move forward, uh, ensuring that we're supporting folks immediately. Right. Expanding the emergency shelter system um, and, you know, moving people out of the street and into beds. And um, it's not been a perfect system, but it it has been something that we've been able to do. Um, I think that the bigger pieces here is like we are nearing, um, you know, six, seven weeks of uh, buses directly coming to New York. This is regardless of the folks who are coming on their own or being bused by you know, from DC. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need to move away from this mindset of emergent issue and think about medium to long-term um, planning, because this is going to continue to happen. Um, and the difference between this recent uh, wave of migration versus historic ones um, is that historically people have come here and had a family connection or they had a community connection. Um, and this time around, we're seeing that folks don't have any connections, which is why they have to go to the, the shelter system, which has been, you know, 
broken forever. Um, and, you know, we've had a housing crisis for over 20 years that spans over, you know, three administrations um, that have not really dealt with getting our unhoused and permanent housing, um, which is what the, the priority should be right now to relieve stress on the shelter system. Folks who've been unhoused for months or years in the shelter system need to be given permanent affordable housing to get them out of the shelter and into new homes. Mm-hmm. Um, say a little bit, you've been at the Port Authority, uh, you've been at uh, various meetings at City Hall, you've sort of seen a lot of this happening, obviously, from outside of government and been involved in uh, helping people arriving find resources, you've been involved in prodding the government to do more, do things differently. Um, so just say a little bit a bit more about the picture. Who, who, who's arriving? What kind of um, where, where are most of the asylum seekers coming from? Um, are there demographic profiles in terms of, of age? Um, uh, how, how, is there any type of percentage you can put on them uh, for, for how many people speak any English? Um, can you describe a little bit for us um, sort of the, the general picture of the, let's say, roughly 11,000 people who've arrived in the last uh, couple months? Sure. And we estimate it's more than 11,000 people who've come to New York so far. Um, I think that, you know, just to, before the buses were coming directly from Texas, there were buses coming from D.C. Mm. And other folks were um, making their way to New York on their own. Um, the majority of folks who are coming to New York City are Venezuelan, um, Colombian, Peruvian, and there's a mix of African migrants who are making their way here as well. Um, they are young families, uh, you know, parents with very small children, um, or, you know, mothers with newborn babies or very small kids, and then in single individual men. So men who are, who traveled up together with their brothers or with uh, their dad or uncle to make it to New York, well, to make it to the Southern border and then making it to New York together. Um, and these are folks who at times are showing up uh, and need a medical attention mm-hmm. and often on these rides, not given given very little or no water or food. Mm-hmm. And does what percentage of people arriving speak some English? I would say barely any. Mm-hmm. Explain for people uh, some of the difference here in terms of um, asylum, asylum seekers as a sort of category of, of migration and immigration. There's a lot of people I see, mostly Republicans, talking, you know, calling these individuals illegal immigrants. Um, but asylum seekers, uh, seeking asylum is a, is a very specific kind of migration. Can you just explain that for people a little bit and, and how people should be sort of thinking about um, the folks who are arriving and their sort of legal status? Sure. I think it's it's hard to uh, talk about, you know, the right or wrong way of coming because there isn't a right or wrong way of coming to the U.S. But if there was a right one, this is it, right? Um, folks who are fleeing violence, persecution, 
uh, governments collapsing, impacts of climate change, um, or you know, political retribution in their home country uh, can legally present themselves and lawfully enter the U.S. Um, as they're seeking asylum uh, in the U.S. So I think that the, when folks are saying, you know, horrific things of people should come here the right way, well, this is it. Mm-hmm. This is folks literally trying to make it in the right way um, and still being treated even worse uh, than what we've seen in the past. So what kind of um, system do they enter and and what's what are their uh, prospects and, and how does it work for them trying to um, gain some sort of legal status and, and have their uh, request for asylum granted? Um, so the process is going to be a long and arduous one. Uh, they have, uh, you know, a few months to submit their asylum application. Um, and you need to seek, you should seek a lawyer before, um, you know, submitting anything so that you have someone who's helping you guide you through the system. But right now our legal services are strained. Um, so it's going to be difficult for folks to have, to find, a immigration attorney to support them and we're working with our membership at the new york immigration coalition and you know specifically immigrant arc uh to try to figure out how we can come up with additional supports in this moment um but they have to find someone who's going to assist them a lawyer who's going to assist them in getting their application in and then having to check in with ice and this process takes about three to five years at the very least. And our immigration system has a huge backlog. So, you know, people can submit their application and submit a separate application for work authorization. It's just going to take them a very long time to get through the hopper because of the Trump error uh, impacts that we're still dealing with. Mm -hmm. And are those services being provided by the city and, and uh, outside partners is, um, you know, are are people's, uh, you know, are people being uh, entered into some sort of process here or is this is the you know, how's the intake working and how's the ability to reach people uh, at such a scale? So I think the intake center just opened up yesterday. Um, it's not like I don't it, I don't believe it's been open bef- before yesterday um, and they're going to be uh, receiving people as best as they can and they're offering different services there. Um, but you know, in in this moment, we don't have any attorneys to take on these cases. Um, we can't ask people to, to drop the cases that they were doing to start something new. Um, so we're working on figuring out how to raise additional resources and asking the city, the state and the federal government to fund immigration legal services in this moment as well so that we're able to support folks who need it and help them have a fighting shot with their case here. Um, the Navigation Center is going to have some legal um, support, specifically around like helping people change their address because the you know Border Patrol is putting random addresses on people's paperwork or putting organizations address like ours and telling people that that's where they're going to live. Um, and then supporting people with the change of venue 
because uh, those are immediate things you need to do to let the federal government know where you are um, as you're going through this process. Mm-hmm. Right. I think I think the the intake that's been done is largely through the city's shelter system. And now they've opened up this larger resource navigation center, as you say, with some uh, legal services and other services, school enrollment. They say uh, health insurance enrollment, uh, health care provision uh, on an emergency basis is obviously um, needed in some cases, as you said, and, and hopefully provided uh, right away. Mental health counseling, they say, and, and other resources. Um, in terms of needs for uh, people arriving, there's obviously the the basic needs of shelter and food. Uh, that seems to be getting provided by the city with its right to shelter law. Uh, there's been hiccups there, of course, but seems like the city is leasing these hotels and, and has, uh, with some challenges, created some of that capacity. Uh, there seems to be emergency food assistance, correct me if I'm wrong, that that is you know providing some of those basics. Um, but then a lot of the other pieces come into uh, sort of what comes next and other aspects. Is there any work that people can find? Uh, how do people start, uh, you know, making sure that they have the the access to, you know, any other sort of benefits that they can, they can access? Are there ways to make sure that they're getting their kids into school? You know, the city says they're working on some of that. Um, what are the other pieces of this puzzle that we haven't touched on that really need close attention? Is it um, the ability to find work and and start making money? Is that you know is that a key piece of the puzzle here? What what's what else is you know sort of top of the the need chain here? So you're absolutely right. I think that the most important need at in the beginning is shelter and food. Right, those are the two top issues. The third one is legal services. Um, and then as you start, uh, navigating the city, you know, trying to get a job and making sure that you, if you have children, you're getting your kids into department of education, um, which I found out yesterday over 1700, 17, uh, new, New York's newest arrivals uh, were enrolled from the shelter system directly into the Department of Education, mm-hmm. um, making sure that they're getting the supports that they need in schools, so that their learning environment allows them to thrive. Um, but there's a lot more that needs to happen, right, Ben? Like, we need the federal government to step up in this moment and incorporate asylum seekers in the refugee support systems that are outside of the DHS, right? Um, coordinating this asylum seeker arrivals with local and state governments. Right now, when buses show up, no one's getting tipped off. It's literally people waiting um, for buses to arrive at Port Authority. And it's not, uh, it'd be so much, I'm not saying it'd be so much easier, but I'm saying it would be so much more productive if there was coordination on that piece. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, the federal government needs to realize this isn't a one-off or an emergent need every time something like this happens. Migration has been happening and is increasingly happening across the world. Um, and we need a plan for this. Um, but we also need DHS to immediately um, fund intermediate shelter as well as transportation for folks and then extend parole. People are being paroled into the U.S., um, extending parole for them from three months to a year and ensure that we can facilitate expedited work permits for asylum seekers 
um, and those who've been paroled into the U.S. Hmm. So there's like a lot of work that needs to actually get done. And these that I just mentioned right now would actually make it significantly better for everyone from the city, the state and the federal government to be managing this moment. And, and, and I believe I've heard the, the mayor bring up the expedited work permitting. Is that something that do you have any indication that that's something that can happen, is going to happen? Any sense of what that timeline could look like? We've been asking for that since this situation started, and we're happy that the mayor um, has joined the call to action. But also, the person who, you know, New York City Council Speaker Adrian Adams and Councilwoman Gail Brewer are actually, you know, been organizing around getting um, folks in support of the expedited work permits and um, have been talking about it. It's it's not that complicated. Like Department of Homeland Security can just ensure that New York, the New York metro area applicants um, are put through an expedited process. Um, they're going to say that they can't do that, but it doesn't mean that they actually can't. They actually can. Um, and they just need to move it forward. Right. Like we've seen a huge increase, like you know, instead of the White House and the DHS folks just praising what New York City is doing and not taking any action to support, this is a way that they can actually support, extend parole for a year, at least a year and facilitate the expedited, expedited work permits. Mm-hmm. Now, there are, of course, informal networks, you know, work networks uh, in, in many communities in the, in the city. Um, is it your sense that many of the recently arrived asylum seekers are sort of finding uh, community connections? You said there's a big difference, um, and and that's that's for work and and otherwise. Um, uh, you said there's a big difference where many of these folks arriving are unlike uh, many in the past, w- where there's just not a, a lot of connections necessarily with people who are here, but there are, of course. Um, communities in the city there's venezuelan communities colombian communities as as you outlined where we're you know a couple of the countries where um large percentages of the asylum seekers are are coming from are there connections being made there or or is it sort of too you know too much happening too quickly and it's too too soon what's your sense of sort of how um community connections and language connections are being made and cultural connections well there are connections being made because people tend to migrate towards where their community is. Right. Um, and, you know, even if there's a language barrier, there really isn't in the city like New York, where um, we have a thriving Latino community and folks speak Spanish more than they don't in the city. Right. Um, I think that people are finding work um, and our goal is that we don't want them to be exploited. Mm-hmm. Um, by bad employers. So get being able to have work authorization um, helps them secure a, a job with, uh, you know, a much better living wage. Um, but it doesn't mean that they don't get the same rights that they do with or without it, um, because they do. And we're seeing folks starting to get hired and we're seeing folks um, <clears throat> taking certification classes uh, for OSHA or construction site safety, or you know, signing up to do welding certification or carpentry. People, you know, are ready, willing, and eager to work, um, and are eager 
eagerly looking for anywhere to work right now once they get settled within the shelter system to get out of the shelter system. You're listening to Max Politics here. This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. I'm uh, speaking with Murad Awada, the executive director of the New York Immigration Coalition, which is in our last few minutes here. Um, before I shift to two other topics to just get your latest updates on those uh, separate topics, just one more on this one of the um, influx of asylum seekers to the city and this uh, crisis that's in part been in, been created by um, Governor Abbott of Texas and and others, but him especially. Um, how do you, how do you overall think the mayor is handling this? Uh, what have you seen from him that, um, you like and don't like, are there things that, um, you know, you want people to know that you're sort of telling him when you have a chance to have his ear, um, you know, that he should sort of adjust to, in his approach, um, to this situation? You know, Ben, the first three things that we asked for back in uh, early July were expand the emergency shelter system, um, create a welcoming center, and fund the organizations on the ground who are going to be able to support folks who are making their way to New York. Um, we've gotten two of the three, and you got to give credit where it's due. Um, you know, the city is trying to respond. I think as a city, we still have a lot more work to build out, right? And when we launched our Welcoming New York campaign, um, it was specifically, a, you know, a cross-government collaborative effort to ensure that we are getting the three levels of government, federal, state, and city, to work better together um, and to be able to coordinate a, a strategic response to this moment. Um, and the two things that, you know, I would highlight are community-based organizations still needing support in this moment to provide wraparound services. So we're asking the city to fund them at $10 million in addition uh, to another 10 million for emergency legal services um, to ensure that people are getting the support that they need right this moment. Um, and then on housing, you know, like unhoused, Housing the unhoused is going to be critical in this moment. Um, and we need to get folks who've been in the shelter system for months or years um, placed in permanent housing. Um, we need to expand eligibility of city FEPS, which is a rental assistance supplement to help individuals and families find and keep housing. Um, and then we need to fill all the vacancies and the uh, community housing improvement program, um, which has vacant apartments across the city. So there's like a lot that we can be doing right now, right? But making sure that the organizations and the legal service providers are able to do their job is key, as well as this housing piece that is now going to continue to trickle up. Because if we keep having too many people in the shelter system, we're just adding more people. We're not actually you know, resolving the issue that everyone's there for, which is because they're unhoused. Um, and then the system continues to grow as opposed to um, the system not growing and people getting the support that they need to get out of it. Thank you for that. The um, in, in our in our last couple of minutes here, I, I wanted to touch on the ongoing New York City Council redistricting process. Uh, the New York Immigration Coalition was uh, critical of the preliminary draft maps from the New York City Districting Commission that were released in July. Um, it, your statement uh, said that the, the commission was failing immigrant New Yorkers in that draft map. There's been a process of getting feedback 
on the preliminary map. And uh, in just a week's, less than a week's time now, on September 22nd, the commission is expected to pass the next version of the map. Um, you said in your statement at the time in mid-July that um, there were a number of immigrant community, communities that were sort of split up, uh, that's, that uh, some of the city council's plurality minority districts were not maintained in those new preliminary maps. Uh, there were different different communities split, including in places like Kensington and um, and Red Hook and Sunset Park. Uh, where where do you see the process at here in terms of these this next draft map from the Districting Commission for the 51 city council districts? Um, do you feel like your feedback has been heard by the commission? Do you know what to expect in this next set of maps? Um, I had the chair of the commission, Dennis Walcott, on the show, and folks should find that episode. We got into a lot of things, but he didn't, he was very hesitant to comment on any specifics of the criticism feedback they've been getting, but he noted a lot of it and said it's all being considered. Where are you at in terms of if you feel like um, immigrant communities in the city are being heard in this process and whether this next set of maps will reflect that? So, Max, uh, Ben, as you know, we have uh, we've launched the Mapping Our Future uh, campaign to support community based organizations across the state of New York to navigate the redistricting process. And um, we've been working with uh, the campaign's been working with our New York City membership to make sure that we're able to get their voices included in this process. <clears throat> so seeing the first iteration of the maps was actually um, like a slap in the face to our communities where some of our communities were either cracked or uh, split up or combined with another um district and pretty much making uh historically latino community now a white plurality district community or um you know other uh indo-caribbean communities getting even split even further and the south asian community getting split even further in queens um so we're hoping that for, uh the commission actually takes the the uh testimony of our membership and other new yorkers who've, who've come forward and said, you can't divide up our community. You need to keep us whole. Um, and this is the right way of doing the maps. Actually ends up being what happens, but we're going to have to wait and see. I don't have very much trust in this process, considering the first set of maps, um, and think that you know potentially we're going to have to continue to fight even after um, these this next iteration comes out. Mm -hmm. And are there one or two specific places that you're most concerned about in terms of how these maps are drawn? Um, you know, I mentioned a couple of specifics, but are there are there any particular sort of communities, neighborhoods that you're really um, most concerned about being cracked? You know, which means being separated into different districts um, and not kept cohesive to you know um, sort of allow for the the potency of of communities and their and their strength to be heard. I think you know historically Latino communities um, like, you know, District 38 in Sunset Park and Red Hook, um, making sure that, that community stays together. And yes, acknowledging that we want to um, create a new district for the Asian American community, which has grown significantly. Um, like we can do that without, you know, 
uh, we can create a new district of a community of interest without having to take out a community of interest district, right? Um, and the same thing within uh, Kensington and the Park Slope area, uh, the immigrant community actually gets cut out significantly from the current district. And in their proposed map, it, I don't even know if the um, how much percentage of the community is actually still intact, right? Um, if you look at Queens, um, Woodside is pretty much cut up, right? Like Long Island City, they grow, but how do we do this in a way where um, we're not splitting up a district across four different council districts or three different council districts? Hopefully it could be the entire community can be in one. And I have a whole long list, but I don't want to keep <laughs> ranting yeah, on no. it. Right. I got gotcha. you. All right. Um, well, that's helpful. And obviously at Gothic Gazette, we'll be uh, paying very close attention to this next set of maps, which are not, ne not necessarily the final maps, but it is the, the next set of the New York City Council district maps that will go to the city council for review. And the city council uh, could just accept them, but is very likely to send them back to the commission with feedback. And then that would trigger some more public hearings. So we'll see what happens as this process continues to unfold in the next likely, you know, two to three months. It has to be done by the end of the year. So we'll be checking back in with you for that. But um, appreciate all the time and the work you're doing to uh, to help people uh, who need help and, and who are arriving in New York City. Uh, Murad Awada is the executive director of the New York Immigration Coalition. Thanks very much for taking the time. Thanks for having me, Ben. <laughs> <laughs>